Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. Hi, I'm Peter Jones, Chancellor Swayer, author and property investor, and this is the Progressive Property Podcast. And today I'm joined by Andy Watts. Andy, great to see you. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Andy, you're a progressive trainer. Yeah. You're a property network host. Yeah. Yeah, and we will talk about all that. But also, you're a property investor. Indeed. Which yes. is why I thought it'd be great to get you in today. Now, you've actually been in property for quite some time, haven't you? You did your first property project as quite a young man, I seem to remember. Uh, I suppose if you're talking about the one with mum, mum and dad, is yes. that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. How old were you? Probably about 15 or 16, 15. around that sort of age, yeah. So, so what happened? Uh, mum and dad, we, uh, I've got, I'm one of three brothers, the middle of three brothers, and uh, we lived in a two-bedroom house, and uh, my dad went to work away in Turkey for a few years to earn some extra money, and uh, f- from doing that, we were able to then move house, and the house that we were going to move into as the new family home needed a complete uh, refurbishment. So a whole new rewiring, kitchen, bathroom, um, literally everything. We put an extension on there, put a garage on the side as well. So literally from, like a lot of people would do within the progressive circles, I guess, you know, a complete refurbishment, get the house out as you wanted, but we were going to move into it and not actually have a tenant in there. It was a, it was a family home. And you did the work yourself? Um, <laughs> uh, we, no, we learned how to, uh, how to decorate. Right. But uh, no, we had guys, and, and my mother organised that. My father was working away. Mum was um, um, a uh, lecturer for the hard of hearing in Nottingham, so she had a full-time job. She was making sure and liaising with the builders and making sure that you know various people were coming in at the right time and doing what needed to be done and paying the bills, obviously, um, but getting it all organised. So absolute hats off to her. She was um, did a great job. And that was your first taste of being involved in property? It, yeah, yeah, and actually seeing it literally come together you know, because you, you, bathrooms get ripped out, kitchens get ripped out, and it all looks really quite, I wouldn't say depressing, but the house sort of loses that bit of character to, to go to that bottom sort of shell bit, then get your first fixtures in and wiring and whatever else, and then it starts to come back up and it became the family home. Mm. But that didn't actually spur you to get into property at that point, did it? No. There was a bit of a journey to go through, because of course what happened next was you went into the family business. Yeah, that was a few years later. Um, I did various jobs, um, sort of leaving school. I went to college twice. Twice? Twice, yeah. Um, both times it was more, the social side was more fun than the uh, <laughs> let's get down and study side. So if there'd been a, um, uh, a certification for going to parties and things, then myself and one of the other chaps, we would have got the, uh, we would have been A star yeah. students. Um, <laughs> so we'd. we'd um, I, I fully understand that, by the way. If you've heard my story, you'll know that I was practically invited to leave university. Were you? It's meant to be an honours degree, but they wouldn't give me the honours bit. There's it no became like a dishonours <laughs> degree. But anyway, <laughs> least said, soonest mended. We'll move on. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. carry on, Andy. So, this is about you, not so, me. So, college <laughs> twice, and um, the social side was far more fun. And came out of college, uh, did um, kind of lost my way a little bit for a, uh, a year or so, with not really knowing, uh, and being a bit sort of drifting about perhaps. Uh, and then uh, I kind of landed a job with uh, Manpower Driving Agency, which was driving 
um, vans around for various people uh, delivering stuff or picking stuff up or whatever. But then I got a long-term temporary contract uh, working for IBM, um, mm. the computer people, which was delivering computer parts at first, which then progressed on to actually fixing computers and uh, going to people's offices or um, back store controllers for uh, supermarkets and the like. So yeah, it sort of progressed on and you know, you take on a bit more responsibility step by step, don't you? Ah, though I'd have only that about you. Interesting. Mm. So what, when did you end up in the family business? Um, 1994 okay. was when I actually started. Mm. We'd been uh, doing um, network marketing with Amway Corporation and um, so doing sort of presentations to small groups of people and selling a few products and whatever else, really quite enjoyed the selling side. Um, my father-in-law had started the family business back in 1980 and sell selling and uh, supplying communication cables and connectors and electrical cables. Uh, and I wanted to get out of being a computer engineer because I'd had enough. Uh, and I thought, well, let me go into sales. So I started in the family business in 94. Right. Interesting. You mentioned Amway. Mm -hmm. Not totally relevant to property, no. but it obviously shows an entrepreneurial spark within you. Yeah. Wanting to come out. Well, presumably, yes, yes, I guess it was. The Just for anybody who doesn't know, what, what, what was Amway? We might go into great detail because we want to talk about property. We do. But what, what is Amway and Amway, what, what were you doing? Um, you become a distributor for the Amway Corporation. You work within a network of people. You develop a network below you and with you uh, to work and people use products or home care products, self um uh, cleaning products, um, washing, all sorts of general stuff that people use every day. And uh, you would distribute those to family and, and friends. So you'd have your own sort of client base, but you'd also develop um, a networking base and help other people to do the same and thing. And was that going okay? Yeah, it was going pretty good. We got uh, to, if anybody knows anything about it, when we got to the 15% level. Uh, but then things started to change within that environment. and. I guess I was moving on to uh, working in the family business, and so things were starting to take a bit more of a backseat with the uh, with the Amway business, mm. and then we moved into the uh, mm. yeah the family. But business. all good experience for somebody who wants to be in business. Absolutely, yeah. To see you know it's even on a small scale, it's it's knowing you've got to pay this, do that. It just it's it's on a but on that smaller scale. Yeah, and if you want to get used to rejection. Uh, yes, there's a great book, um, Rhinos for Success. I can't remember the guy that wrote it, but you know he talks about having really, really thick skin mm. because you're going to get not that you get rejected. It's mm. the it's the idea somebody's rejecting the mm. idea. It's mm. not you, mm. but it's getting through that and learning to sort of smile when somebody says no. Yeah, interesting. And I quite enjoy it now actually when somebody says no, and I really want them to tell me no, because it's yeah no tell me you don't want to do it. Mm. No, I don't. Fine. Mm. See you later. Next. Good way of looking at it. Mm. Yeah. So into the family business. Yep. Yeah. And by all accounts, doing very well there, really. Yeah. Uh, when I joined, we were turning over about six million, had about 10 staff. So, um, and then over the, a period of 21 years, um, we built that up to about 15 million turnover and a staff of 24. Mm. Uh, into and we were supplying cables into uh, the TV and satellite market, security, um, data, data communications, fiber optics, telecoms, into many, many different um, markets and um, areas. And some very big, well-known clients. Yeah, yeah. If we ran through the names, people would know who you. Yeah, we were supplying into Sky, four and a half million pounds worth of cable into Sky. So if anybody's got Sky TV at home, I would think anybody listening to this doesn't watch television. 
because they haven't got time. But uh, if, if you do, then the piece of cable that comes from the dish to the back of your set-top box, the coaxial cable there, either the twin or the single, is probably some of ours. Mm. Uh, um, when I, uh, throughout 2014, I was, my focus was on London Underground. They were, uh, there was a project coming up, which was a five-year project, and they were upgrading and refurbishing 70 stations. Uh, we'd supplied London Underground for quite a few years, and um, my focus was then, right, well, we want to get as much business from this 70 station upgrade as we possibly can. So many days um, living up in, uh, near Nottingham uh, were spent down in London, going down on the train, staying down for a day or two and uh, walking around the streets and seeing the different, different people from within each of the businesses that were, were going to be doing the work, if you like. Mm. Uh, and I guess this is where social skills come in from the training twice at college and being the social sort of um, person. You can sort of sort of look back and think, well, yeah, you can get on with people and being able to get on with people at all different levels of a business from directors through the management structure and down to the guys who are actually doing the work and pulling the cables in physically and building relationships with those people. It makes a big, big difference because mm. they all know you right, right through the business. Mm. And during that time, of course, main business is the cables, yep. but you were building experience in property indirectly, weren't you? Yep, yep. Literally building. Yep. Yeah. So what was that all about? Uh, the, um, as, as the family business we were growing, we needed to have a new uh, premises, or we wanted to move into proper premises. We were in an old dance hall uh, for many, many years and uh, which was all right at the time but you, as you start to go and take on larger contracts and larger bits of business then the idea was we would stock the cable and then we would supply it on a just-in-time basis to end customers quite on quite a few contracts so people like uh, Tyco Security, Sky TV, London Underground those sort of people they they you know, they want to schedule the, uh, the, the the orders in but it's down to almost the last day before right we want it in tomorrow or whatever else we've got space in the warehouse so we needed a better uh, facility to be able to run that from so we bought what was um, an old um, gosh and this is back a few days um, what was the old ivory store at Herberger Brooks pianos they were based in Long Eaton and we bought the um, yeah the old ivory store where they used to literally have elephants tusks and one of the guys that worked for us he remembers as a boy going to the site and seeing these elephants tusks mm. in the storage there waiting to be made into the keys, which is quite horrendous now when it you think sad, about it. Isn't it. You think, mm. gosh, mm. yeah, how mm. times have changed. Yeah. So we bought that. We uh, we stripped out all the uh, the cladding off, went back to the stanchions, and then rebuilt on top of that uh, mm. and put a new uh, warehouse facility and office uh, facility in there. So in a sense, you've actually sort of gone from doing your house refurb. Yep. As a teenager, yep. to now doing a full blown warehouse refurb yeah, yeah big big yeah. commercial project yeah, yeah. That, that sounds i mean that is a big project and you were responsible for that you oversaw it you were we were very involved uh with the plans talking with the architect uh and then seeing as as everything was coming together and making sure everything was just in the right place because you uh, i suppose as you as you go through you start to learn that well we need uh power points here we need data points you know in, in the various places and where are the um the partitions going to go for the uh, the offices and how is the office going to be set out and all that mm. sort of thing so you can see it literally from a plan mm. and working it up and uh, to you working and yeah to be able to move in all stuff which will hold you in good stead for later for what you're doing now but at the time did you realize that you're going to go full-time into property 
I, I, I guess um, you hear various things, you know, as you talk to different people at different functions and what have you, uh, some of the people had property, some people were doing property or uh, involved. And I quite like the idea of having a passive income or having a, um, an asset that, yeah, throws off money for you on a, on a monthly basis that you don't necessarily have to keep working at. It's a very pleasant thing to do. Hmm. So when did you actually jump in and start doing property for yourself? I don't remember how I, found, uh, how I first came across progressive property, um, but I bought Robert Mark's first two books, 44 Most Closely Guarded Property Secrets and How to Make uh, Money in a Property Market Crash. And I read both of those. Uh, my wife, lovely lady, love her to bits. She, um, she was quite sceptical about, you don't know anything about these people. I'm only buying a couple of books, my dear. I'm going to read the books. Read the books, and I suppose remembering back to the time when we'd uh, refurbished the family home, and you think, well, that all stacks up, and it's it, you know, I can do this. So I, I bought the books probably about 2000 and maybe eight, something like that. Read them, and then I thought, right, well, yeah, this I could do this because we've already done it once. Um, and just at that time, a friend of ours, a family friend, he had um, he'd inherited a flat from his mother up in Berwick upon Tweed. So we live in Nottingham, Berwick upon Tweed is two and a half, three hours drive at least to mm. get up there. He'd never been in the flat um, that he'd inherited. He knew it, the block it was in, but he'd never been in it because there was there'd been an old lady living in this flat for years and years and years that had known his mother. She was finally coming out of the flat, uh, so we had the chance to go in and have a look. And this was in 2000 and, well, yeah, 2008. And as everybody knows back then, the market was on a steep decline and nothing had been done to this flat since the day it was made. Uh, how this old lady had stood, you know, the test of time in this flat, it was, there was no central heating, the electrics was incredibly dodgy and it just needed, it needed a complete refurb. So we went up there, we organised for three agents to come round to give us their view on well, what price would it be if we sold it. Uh, one said 60,000, one said 70 and one said 90. <laughs> so, and these people are professionals. Well, valuation's an imprecise, it's, not, it's an art, not a science. Well, it was, that sort, of, <laughs> it was that sort of, you know, hold your finger up, yeah. oh, I think 60,000 pounds. Well, I thought probably 60,000 pounds was more in line with knowing that it needed a full refurbishment. Uh, so we talked to various local um, guys and I think because they thought, well, we live quite close to London, Nottingham being closer to London than Berwick-upon-Tweed, therefore we must have just thousands of pounds sloshing around and we'll just throw money at it. Well, no, we weren't going to do that. So finally, we took a guy up from Nottingham who'd done some work for me, uh, took him up for the day, he had a look round and basically we said, yeah, if you can do it, then on you go. And at least then we know that we can trust you because you've done other stuff for us. So he organised um, plumber, electrician, all the all the guys that needed to be done, and uh, we got it refurbished pretty much within a month. Uh, painted and um, got it uh, let out in the April. It was. And who, what what happened to the property? Who owned it? Who what? Well, um, our friend, our family friend Doug, he'd been a chronic alcoholic for twenty five years, and he it was so it's his flat, and he had the money to do the refurbishment. So I said, well, look, I've done one before. Uh, and it became very obvious that nobody else in the family was going to do anything with it. So and it gets to that point where, all right, well, I need to do something else, step up and, and action. So um, basically the first joint venture I did was, it was Doug's flat, it was Doug's uh, money, 
and we organised everything and got the bills paid and sorted everybody mm. out. And mm. um, yeah, and it, so it's unencumbered and it's still unencumbered to this day. Mm. Uh, but that cash flows for him quite nicely on a monthly basis. And he's now in a home and it helps to part pay for his care home fees. Right. Did that sow the seed? Did you start thinking, if we can do this for Doug, we can do this for Andy? Yes. Well, that, that was part of it, really, because I've read these books. I've done it well, That was back when I was 16 with my parents' house. Mm. And you think, well, actually, yeah, if you can bring a, a project like that together and get all the trades sorted out and whatever else, then, then we can go on and do it ourselves. Uh, so um, we did. And to this day, I'm still trying to remember how I managed to talk my wife into doing uh, a remortgage on our family home, which we released £70,000 from. And which then bought the first two single let buy to let properties. Okay, so what was your strategy? Were you following the, the BRR type strategy that we teach here at Progressive buy, refurbish, refinance? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was working, there was a, a local guy to near where I live. Um, I gave him a call kind of accidentally in a way, um, but I kind of got to know him through various channels. Uh, I gave him a call. He was just setting up a lettings agency at the time. He said, look, I'll help you to come and I'll come and view some properties. He's got about a three million pound portfolio himself. So he, he, he knew a thing or two. So we set up some viewings, went to view one or two, um, well, quite a few properties, actually. And um, yeah, well, we'll have this one. And, you know, let's get uh, let's get going, because it's a bit like a Richard Branson. He says in one of his books, and I don't remember which book it is, but he says every decision comes down to a point in time when you either say yes or you say no. Mm. You can do all your due diligence, all your background work, all your checks, everything, but it still comes down to that, am I going to do it or am I not? Mm. And it gets to that point where, yeah, let's get, you know, we've, we've done the remortgage, we've got the equity out, this is what we're going to go and do. Let's jump in and get on with it. Mm. So we did. Mm. And you bought two. Yeah. Um, the, the first one my wife knew about, and um, we bought that uh, going into Christmas to, well, gosh, when was that? 2010, I guess. Through the Christmas period, um, and then out the other side, coming into New Year, uh, I got um, a thing called pancreatitis. Oh. Yeah. Which is, if anybody's ever had it, you know, bless you, it, it is really painful. Uh, so I, was, I found myself in hospital for four days uh, on my back with morphine and all the rest of it because it's very, very intense pain and came out of there. So then my wife then wrapped me up in cotton wool. You just sit there, you're not allowed to do anything uh, on any of the refurb. You're not supposed to do anything physical, sit there and what have you. And um, I've got six boys, as you as you as you know, and at that time, uh, we were going, we, so we bought the, the property and I would take them down to the property. They were all really excited about this, you know, wow, that's bought a property, this is great. So six of us would go in in an evening and we'd start to paint. Uh, so if you can imagine, you know, you go in there for like a two hour period. And if, if there's, because I actually did some work as well. Um, so two, if, seven people and two hours each, you're talking about a 14 hour day mm. in a two hour period. So we got lots done on an evening and they could see how things were coming together. Basically the whole, the, the property was really in quite good shape, uh, needed a bit of a touch up, we needed some more sockets, some uh, smoke alarms, but it was more of a sort of a, almost a cosmetic and you know, flooring and whatever else. Mm. So they saw that, that happening. While I was in this sort of convalescing stage as well, um, my, we'd, look, we'd looked at another property just down the road from this first one uh, and I said yeah we ought to get that one so you know you, although I wasn't supposed to be doing anything too physical 
um, being able to make phone calls and get on the emails and whatever else. Um, so I arranged that we'd buy this second property, but I didn't tell my wife at the time because I thought she'd be quite upset. So it got to the point where you know this is going to happen, you know, you're talking to the, uh, the solicitors, all those sort of people, and it's all coming together. And you tr I was trying to work in when's the perfect time to just float gently across to my good lady. By the way, we're buying a second property. Well, that never came round really until the night before. I knew that the paperwork was landing and we had to sign it because this was a, it was another repossession. And on repossessions, you have to move really quite quickly. So uh, the night before, and I knew the paperwork was landing the following day, and I'd actually put it into her name. And um, so we would just literally get ready for bed. And I said, oh, by the way, I've been meaning to say, we're just about to buy a second house. And she says, we haven't even finished the first one. This is unbelievable. So we started having quite a loud volume discussion just as we were about to get into bed. And in fact, you were sent off to the couch. Uh, I, I, I was... Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then some of the boys started waking up. What, what's going on now? I said, well, I'm buying a second house. So they're all like, really? This is fantastic. And I'm getting full on from my, my good lady. And the boys are like, Mom, this is really good. This is really good. Anyway, um, the paperwork came through. It was all signed and we got the second house. And um, that one cash flows to this day as well. Right. I'm not really, not, I'm not sure what to say, Andy. I mean, there should probably be a book on this. Well, you know, how, there will how, be how one keep, sometime. How to sometime. keep your partner on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Through some, and don't yeah. tell them the night before the papers come. Mm, that's yeah. not a good idea. If anybody's yeah. listening, yeah, be a bit more. But, but it must have been a, a, a bump in the road that you got over because you went on, you've now got, how many properties have you got there? Personally, I've actually got three. Three yep. single let buy to let, so we bought another one. Yep. Um, uh, then we've helped at the Doug, the, uh, the guy, the family friend, when he when we knew he had to go into a home, uh, he's got a, a very nice three bed semi um, in Nottingham, which it just needed a bit more, uh, a bit, bit of a refurbishment. Mm. Uh, that's unencumbered as well. So we refurbished his house, his mm. own home, using his money again. Mm. Uh, he moved into the home, mm. but between his home in Nottingham and the uh, the flat up in Berwick upon Tweed, they, they cash flow about a thousand pounds a month for him. Mm. Uh, and his home fees are about two, two and a half thousand pounds a month. Mm. So with his pensions and whatever, then he, he sits all right, really. Mm. So you got over the bump in the road with the yep. good lady. Yep. You then bought another property. Mm -hmm. Where's your property journey gone since then? Since then, uh, I wanted to do more with the, with the family business because we've done this once, two, three times, four times, five times. We ought to, and we've obviously we've built our own, um, uh, office premises and, and warehouse facility, we ought to be taking some of the profits from the business and putting that into, into property. Well, there was five of us on the board of directors and when the other four people are looking back at you as though you, you must be crazy, you must be mad, they really didn't understand it, they really didn't see it and therefore we, we didn't go forward and do anything. So I found myself getting more and more frustrated with everybody wanted to keep doing the same thing, keep doing the same thing, which is fine on one hand. Yes, the business has to keep doing that. But we're talking about let's secure the future because there was myself, my father-in-law, my sister-in-law all in on the family business. And so if that family business at any point in time suddenly went the wrong way, we're all down the swanee uh, and nothing backing us up. But they didn't see it. Mm. And 
I, it started to get to feel a bit like I was a, a square peg in a round hole. And um, if anybody can relate to this, you, driving into work and you've got a really sick feeling in the pit of your stomach and you're just dreading going in and seeing the people, talking to the people, working with the people, it just felt awful. Um, and I started to realise I need to change. And it's not going to be the uh, fellow directors or anything that's going to change because they're not. So the change has got to be me and I need to do something. Mm. So uh, I guess at that time, uh, I received an email from Progressive Property. Mm. There's <laughs> the thing. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Just the one. Just that one. But the, this one actually talked about, uh, and it was Rob Moore saying, have you ever thought about becoming a Progressive Property Network host? So this was probably... Uh, 2014, 2015, somewhere around that time. Uh, and I thought at that time, no, I haven't, but I quite like the idea. What's this all about? So uh, I phoned up, spoke to a guy called Jamie Medill, who runs the, uh, the Progressive Property Network side of things for Progressive, and came down to Peterborough and met with Jamie. Uh, quite like what I saw, liked the idea, and yeah, became a Progressive Property Network host in Nottingham. Okay, so what, what does that actually mean? What happens at a typical Progressive Property Network meeting? We have, uh, you're talking about a two-hour window. We have um, a, a guest speaker, in, sometimes for the first, um, in the first hour, somebody talking for 20 minutes on maybe some of the local um, strategies or where's working or what's working or what to be aware of in the local area. Uh, founder members, they talk about some of the projects that they're involved with. We've got an architect who does some really, really great HMO um, projects. Um, we've got an accountant who talks about how to not avoid tax, don't avoid tax, but how to get around various tax implications and how you can structure things and what have you. So there's a lot of information in the first half. Then we have a bit of a break and then we have a main speaker in the second half who talks for 50-55 minutes on their specialist subject, whether that's HMOs, deal packaging, uh, service accommodation, whatever. There are a lot of different uh, strategies for, for property. And um, yeah, we get these different um, experts in, and uh, you probably need to come and speak sometime as well, Peter. <laughs> well, there we are. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. So here we are. Yeah, you're now a PPN host. Yep. You've dabbled in property. You've got three buy to lets. Yep. Notwithstanding the fact that you've upset your missus, but she's forgiven you. We're still together. And all together. that, all that yeah. kind of stuff. You've also got quite a lot of experience in terms of refurbing for Doug. You've done a couple of refurbs for Doug. You can see the potential of property. Yeah. And you've built, well, effectively built a warehouse, refurbished a warehouse, taking it back to the frame. Mm -hmm. And you've got this nagging feeling inside you that you need to be doing something outside of your family business. Yep. So at some point, the dam must have given way and something must have happened because I know what you're doing now. So what was the sort of the, the final step? What's the final piece of the jigsaw to explain who you are now? I suppose the final piece is the fact that um, getting, I suppose, really quite depressed with where I was almost. You know, you, you're really down. There's, uh, I didn't see a future with the family business and I need to change. I need to do some things. Um, my father died in 2011, which is also something else that you have to start to deal with. And... Um, just being in that sort of position where I need, where I am is it just feels awful and I need to change. Um, so I talked with uh, quite a few different people and it got to the point where, right, well, 
it's because people say, well, why would you want to leave a family business? Well, you wouldn't you generally because there's not really any pressure. You're not going to get made redundant. You're not going to get sacked. You're not going to get hauled across the coals, are you? It's, mm. it's, it's a family business. Mm. But it was just, it was just, it, yeah, square peg in a round hole. So it got to, um, I think it was December 2014, and uh, I sat down with my sister-in-law and said, look, I've had enough, I just need to, to leave. So we just need to sort something out, some way that I can exit the business, and I'm, I'm just going to go off and get, get into property and do something in property. So you knew at that point property was the answer for you? Yes, yes, but I didn't really fully know exactly how or why or whatever. So the, um, we came up with a, a, a three-year severance uh, package, which is brilliant, and that's just about to finish. And um, so then you've got your time to go off and do the things that you need to do and put in place. Uh, and certainly the idea of having the, uh, the network um, in Nottingham was for positioning. It was literally... I. A lot of my contacts and people I know were in London on on the rail side of things, uh, so I didn't know a whole lot of people within the local sort of property arena, if you like. But knowing that, well, if I step up to become Progressive Property Network host, then I will get to meet some of the people, and hopefully I'll get to meet some of the people that I can actually work with and uh, start to go forward. And did that work? Uh, very well, yes. At the first meeting, uh, I was talking to the guy who was going to be... Uh, who'd been on uh, Progressive Property VIP, and he was going to be, and uh, been introduced to him through my accountant. Just for anybody who's listening, the VIP is a 12-month mentoring program yep. that Progressive run. Yeah. So this guy had been on that, uh, made a really good success of it, very, very um, enthusiastic. So I thought, well, this is a great way to start and launch uh, a PPN. So I was talking to him about what we were going to do, because he hadn't actually done any public speaking until that moment. And I was going to interview him to sort of, tease out what he's done, where he's at and whatever else. And so I'm talking to him and then he looked across my shoulder and he, and he stopped talking and he said, oh, wow. And I said, what? He said, that chap over there. I said, which chap? He says, that bloke getting the coffee. I said, yeah. I said, who's he? He says, that's Andy Churchill. I said, who is Andy Churchill? And he's like, that's Andy Churchill. He's... Um, He's a really well known, he's been on VIP in Progressive Property uh, and he's really, really knowledgeable on Article 4 for HMOs and all sorts of stuff and he's, wow, he's here at your PPN. Well, I'd never met Andy Churchill before, never heard of him and, um, but over the, the, over the next two or three months um, running the PPN uh, and because of stepping out of the family business, I'd changed my profile on LinkedIn uh, and one of the guys that had done some marketing for us while I was at the family business, he got in touch and said, why didn't you come over for a coffee? Because he was still doing marketing with his, with his company. So I knew he was wanting to talk about marketing for me, for the new business. So I said, well, no, that's all taken care of down at head office. Um, but, um, you know, let's stay in touch. He had a bit of property as well. So he's, he's sort of interested. He's been to a few uh, PPN events. Just as I was coming out of that uh, coffee chat, um, he said, oh, by the way, this place is up for sale. Well, this place is a, um, a 5,000 square foot Victorian home that's been used as um, commercial offices for 30, 35 years. They'd had it uh, up for sale for about three, three years, and they hadn't had a sniff. Uh, so I went back to meet with one of the guys who owned it because two guys had bought it with their pension funds. Went back to meet with him, took a load of photographs, 
went away, put together what I thought was a bit of a, an investor sort of pack, information, background information, whatever else, and I sent it down to Mark Homer, uh, being a PPN host. Yeah, we'll try and leverage a bit here. So um, sent it down to Mark. He very graciously came back and he said, um, yeah, it looks like it could, could work. Uh, you, it's not in my area, but talk to somebody um, who's got a lot of um, experience and knowledge in the local area. He says, I suggest you talk to Andy Churchill. So I got uh, spoke to Andy and he'd seen the same property a year before and talked to one of the guys that owned it. And he said back then, now that doesn't work. Um, and I suppose not, not knowing because there's a, there was a whole lot of numbers and things to crunch and look at and take into account um, with a, a larger project, loads more than I ever envisaged. Uh, so talking to Andy, we, um, we were taking baby steps and I guess in the beginning we were sort of checking each other out to say, you know, so if we, if we from our meeting, we have an action each, then do we do the action and then right well let's get back together and you sort of you know and talking and chatting and you start to get a bit of a, a picture built up of the person that you that you're talking with anyway we went back into uh, to see that what the guys that owned the the property got to a a reasonable figure for purchase uh we, andy had an investor who actually happened to have four hundred thousand pounds and we bought the property and uh, that's the the first one that we're doing and it's got scaffolding around it right now and the, the, uh, the contracts are on site, they've done the rip out and um, it's starting to get rebuilt. So it's very, very exciting. So the very first PPN you ran, yep. you saw Andy Churchill and he's now your business partner. He is. So, so that was a success then, wasn't it? It's, it's delivered, <coughs> yes. Yeah. So you're now doing commercial conversions. You're doing quite big stuff, aren't you? And mm. serviced accommodation. Yep. When you first left, when you first sat down with your sister-in-law and said, right, I'm off to do property full time, is that what you had in mind, or did you think you were going to go and buy more buy-to-lets? What were you thinking? I've got to say, with um, I suppose the uh, my mental state at that time, I was just want, I've just got to get out of this, and I need to just have a bit of um, free mind space. Really, it just felt very, very intense. Uh, but I, I knew I wanted to get into and do property. I just liked the idea of because we, as a family, we were working in the business every day, mm. and it was very, very intense. Uh, there's times when the um, the dollar rate would be going against you, copper prices was going against you, and there's a whole lot of stuff to deal with and handle and work through. And if you if you feel like the square peg in the round hole, uh, well, I'm, I just don't fit into this anymore. So when I left, you sort of tumble out of that and tumble into network hosting, um, knowing that I wanted to meet people but also realizing that actually progressive property being able to come in through the front door to be able to meet with guys like yourself who've done some amazing you know really really good stuff uh, and being able to talk to those sort of people of the same sort of caliber as yourself there peter then you you're into the right kind of um arena if you like you're through that front door and you've got access to not necessarily um, joint ventures with everybody, but those sort of relationships. And you know that you can you can phone somebody or say, you know, have you got any experience with this, or what do you reckon to that? And you can, you can bounce ideas off people. Hmm. But certainly, it has been a springboard to helping you find JVs. Yes. It? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I realise what you're saying is it can't be guaranteed. But, no. But the number of JVs that happen in Progressive is quite amazing, isn't it? And obviously, you've been a beneficiary of that as well. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, Mr. Churchill is your business partner now and your, your builders are on site. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So what, where, where are you going with Earlham Pelham? Earlham Pelham. We've, yep. Yep. So wh where's that all going? What, what are your plans? And you've got the one project, but you're doing much more than just that one project. And yeah, yeah. was saying you got 25 million pounds yep. worth in the pipeline? Yep. So the, the first one, the, the conversion, the commercial to residential conversion, which we're doing under permitted development, uh, that's about a 1.4 million gross development value. What do you mean by permitted development, by the way? Uh, it means that you haven't actually got to go for full planning. You can, through what's classed as uh, permitted development, uh, because it used to be a, um, a residential property, you can go in and convert the, uh, the premises and do it without actually having to, to show the planners everything that you're doing. Yeah, so this is why commercial conversions are so sexy at the moment, because a lot of people are finding Office buildings, office buildings have PDs, don't they? Yes. To go to resi, and yep. I think some agricultural buildings, and other and small B1 industrial stroke warehouse. I think. Yeah, I think that's I, right. I think that's right. Not my thing, but I know a lot of people are doing very well in it. I know yeah. Andy knows a lot more about that side of things than me, so that's um, talk to Andy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah, we've got the 1.4. This the uh, the commercial to residential conversion. We've also got um, we've, we've got a car park at the front of that <coughs> that we are going for planning on to be able to put an apartment block on there. Uh, and about a mile and a half from that site, we've um, secured a, another site which is just under an acre and we're going to be putting 10 four bedroom brand new properties on that. Hmm. Uh, and the exciting thing about that is we have um, just, or we're just at the final stages of sorting out a joint venture agreement with a large PLC building company. Mm. Uh, who will bring in all the big boys, toys in all the workforce to do the building. It's an open book policy as we go through the project because they're very keen to work with us on other projects coming up because they realise that they've got access to um, funds through the bank at very, very good um, levels. And, but they haven't got the skill set to find these projects all the time, whereas we have and we can and we are. Mm. So how are you doing that? I know that you've actually got systems in place now, haven't you, for finding sites. Mm -hmm. And you do a rigorous amount of due diligence on the sites that you look at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just for our listeners, mm -hmm. can you give us a, a quick overview of the systems you use and what, what you're looking for and how you find it? Uh, we are developing, and it's, this is the same, this is, this is the teachings that you get at Progressive Property. Develop a relationship with the local agents. You know, These are the guys that get a lot of... Uh, deals coming through, a lot of uh, sites coming through, and if you're the people that can actually go for a project and, yeah, it's going to work for us, and then actually go through and buy the project, then you you will raise your credibility with those people and you start to find those uh, those deals will start to come through. So we've been working at um, developing relationships with local agents, um, local architects, all people that can um, have those sort of opportunities come to them. We look at sites and um, you, you have to appraise the site fairly quickly. 15, 20 minutes is what we aim to try and do and say, yes, this is worth looking at more or no, it's a binner and let's leave that one. But you find the sites and sometimes it feels like you're trying to find a needle in a haystack. Uh, lots and lots just don't stack for whatever reason. Maybe the area, maybe the price that somebody wants, although you can negotiate on it, but sometimes people are just very stuck at, well, no, it's, it's worth 1.2 million, mate, and that's it. Well, I know it's not going to work for us. 
Um, but it's, it is, there's a lot of um, looking at a site, looking where it is, looking what's the local amenities. Uh, so it's very, very similar to um, the castle, the model, if you like, um, that Progressive teach, but on a bigger scale because you're looking at a bigger project. Mm. So what sort of projects are you looking at? Because it's not just the development side, is it? You're, you're also going into serviced accommodation? Serviced accommodation, yeah. What's your thinking there, then? Why, why aren't you just concentrating purely on the development? Uh, serviced accommodation is a very, very up-and-coming um, strategy, and we like the idea of having income coming in on a, on a monthly basis. Obviously, there's some work to do, and getting things and systems set up for that. Um, but we've um, through the contacts that we've made and the people that we know, um, and I'm not sure quite what um, what Andy's explained, but we've got um, a couple of buildings in, in Nottingham that we are, one is already a service accommodation unit, there's eight units in this one building already. Uh, we're looking at being able to buy that. Uh, and then we've also got a, um, a, a what was a residential property that we are going to be converting into four single um, service accommodation units. And that's also in Nottingham? Yeah, yeah. In the centre? Yeah, in the centre, literally right. in the centre. Right, so, so that's going to become a bit of a specialist niche for you. Yes. Service accommodation in the centre of Nottingham. Yep. And obviously you've done your research, your due diligence, you think there's a sustainable market for that? We do. The uh, Nottingham Council are wanting to get more tourists into the uh, into Nottingham. It brings a lot more income revenue and builds up lots of businesses. And we can, on the back of that, yeah, we can see the uh, the opportunity that's there. Right. So is that something you're going to be developing more and more? Or, or are you going to have to sort of stop on the, the first two you buildings and see if it works and well let's see there. if it works from there I don't have any um, doubts that it won't it, I think it's a, it's a definite yes this is going to happen um, but yeah let's let's get those two up running working and then we can start to look for others and how, how are you funding those uh, the first one we've got um, a group of investors who are working with us um, putting in various amounts of, uh, of, of uh, their investment if you like into the project uh, and then we're going to get the refurbishment money coming in from uh, a guy that I met at a PPN actually in London. Uh, he does um, he works with banks and institutions and whatever else. And I met him at PPN St Pancras for literally five minutes before the event started. Talked to him, um, said what we were doing. Uh, then we got to the break uh, at the at the PPN, and I thought I'll go and talk to him some more. And I looked round, and he wasn't there. He'd already left. Uh, he gave me a phone call the next day, and from that time to this, and literally a five-minute conversation, we've now got, we've been introduced to some very, very high net worth individuals uh, through him, and we uh, we come down to London on a regular basis to meet with him and guys who have got very, very successful businesses, very, very successful track records in doing what they're doing, and they are looking to invest into other projects. Mm. Well, it just shows the power of networking, isn't it? It is amazing. It yeah. is truly, yeah. truly amazing. Yeah, and I know from teaching Masterclass here, when we talk about JVs, and I've yep. said this before on the podcast, but half of the attendees, their eyes will glaze over, mm -hmm. thinking, I can't do that, it won't happen to me, I can't raise money, why would anybody want to invest? With me, yep. the other half of the attendees, they all look very excited because they realise the possibilities and they go out and they raise the money. Yep. And it all comes down to mindset. But if you're not there, if you're not at the network meeting, you're not going to meet the people who can no. potentially provide you with the money. No. So your projects are essentially all 100% financed through JVs. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we've got... Well, the serviced accommodation I'm talking about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, well, that's pretty good, isn't it? So it yeah. just shows what can be done if you put your mind to it. Yeah. 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 So in terms of your hosting Nottingham mm-hmm. VPN, yep. I know that there are changes afoot, potentially. Yep. Yep. What, what's your thinking on that, Andy? The thinking is, it's done what I wanted it to do. It's delivered um, what I wanted, as in positioning and meeting people that we can work with, and obviously forming the business with Andy Churchill is absolutely perfect. Exactly what I wanted it to do. Uh, the PPN franchise is a three-year contract, and I'm just at the end of that three year. And I'm because of what we're doing with Earl and Pelham, uh, we time. Not that it takes a lot of time, but it's another thing to have to pull in. So I would love to find somebody who would like to come in and host the event. Uh, we will still be there. We can back it up. Uh, but I can give somebody a 50-50 joint venture on that if somebody's interested in doing that. Uh, then get in touch with me at andy.watts at earlandpelham.com or andywatts at progressivepropertynetwork.co.uk and we can talk some more. But we need to, I need to get something sorted out pretty quick. Well, there's a first for the podcast, I Is think. It? That's the That's first, the first time, one. Very first time we've had a JV offered. Yeah, 50-50. Live on the podcast, as you, it were. You won't get the office price from me. <laughs> you, will get, you come to me direct and we can do a 50-50. Straight 50, to the 50. offer price. Yeah, yeah. But just, to, just in case anybody's sort of dozing off there as they're driving along listening to this, yeah, that's real. And is looking for a co-host yep. for the Nottingham PPN. And there's a 50-50 JV to be done if you want to contact Andy at andy.watts at earlandpelham.com. Dot com, yeah. So there we are. Brilliant. Fantastic. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Andy, I think we've come to the end of our time Already? Now, sadly. Already? Already? It's flown by. I'm sure that uh, great things happening with you and the other Andy, and we'll check in in a year or so maybe and find out what else you've be, been doing. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, very inspirational. The thing I love about your story is that you've kind of got yourself doing quite big, well, very big property projects, really, in the scheme of things, from having started at sort of not really big in property at all, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you've done it very quickly. So very inspirational. I love that. So Andy, thanks Thank for you. coming in. Thanks for talking to us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much indeed. Pleasure. I would just like to say as well, thanks to Rob and Mark for everything that they've done with Progressive Property. It is awesome. This is the, uh, the success factory. You know, normal people come in here. And if they figure some things out and get some things going and take action, then, yeah, you can make it work. Yeah, absolutely. Normal people come in and normal people leave, Leave. but they go and do extraordinary things. Indeed. In the meantime, yeah, yeah, it's great. really is. Very, very inspiring place. Yeah, fantastic. Thank thank you, Andy. I totally agree. Totally agree. So this has been the Progressive Property Podcast. I've been Peter Jones. And by the way, sometimes people say, well, how could we learn a bit more about you, Peter? So come to my website. It's www.thepropertyteacher.co.uk. In the meantime, if you have any ideas for future podcasts, then do message me or get in touch through the Progressive community. If it looks like a subject which could benefit everybody, then we may do it as a podcast. You never know. In the meantime, I'll see you at the next podcast and here's to successful property investing.